You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. to be among friends and it's good to take a break from our messy days and our messy houses and lives and be encouraged and reflect on the good things of the Lord of his faithfulness so that we can reset and jump into battle. I think you guys are just going to love my guest today. I met Karen years ago at a mothering retreat and uh, she shared something that she had done in her household Uh, to hit that reset button. And I was so encouraged. I loved her idea. So I've invited her on today to tell us a little bit about how they hit the reset button in their life. And Karen, why don't you just jump in and tell us about your family? There's so much to love. Thank you. Uh, My name is Karen and I have nine kids over the space of 22 years. So my oldest and youngest are 22 years apart. Um, and I've got three grandbabies now. So my oldest is tw- almost 29 and my youngest is six. And um, got five boys and four girls. And life has always just been really busy. That's what we do. I have five boys and four girls. I didn't realize we were matching. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so fun. So fun. So, okay. So our lives, we get this. We understand how life gets crazy and chaotic. And um, I guess maybe that's why it spoke to me at the time when you shared your idea. So can you tell me a little bit of like what you were going through, what life was like and, and what you were feeling? So um, I had my first group of kids really close together. And but I had other friends who had kids that were close together too. But I was starting to notice a difference. Um, some of our close friends, Um, their kids just seem to really get along really well. And my kids would bicker a lot. And it's kind of my biggest pet peeve with my kids. I can handle a lot as a mom, but the bickering kind of sends me over the edge. I was starting to get discontent and I would see my, I would be over at my friend's house and it would be bedtime and their daughters would grab hands and skip off to bed happily together and just giggling together. And I was like, I have never seen this in my life amongst my own children. And, um, I definitely prayed a lot for unity amongst my kids and for them to love one another. And one time I was uh, reading through Romans and I came to Romans 12 and um, I was reading in the ESV, the English Standard Version, and the way that it's worded really jumped out at me. So let me read that. So Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And I think the brotherly affection thing, it always kind of been like, well, I mean, what even is that? Because my kids don't show any sort of brotherly or sisterly affection to one another. I mean, they do, of course but not to the extent that I wanted to see with them that I really thought that they were capable of. 
but to outdo one another and showing honor jumped out at me. And I have some very competitive children and outdoing one another in something. I just thought, oh my goodness, this, this might work. And so I came up with a challenge and we called it the Romans 12, 10 challenge. And it was for them to outdo one another in showing honor. And so the way that looked was we took 40 days and focused on showing honor, 40 days. And not just showing honor, but outdoing one another in showing it. And we spent those 40 days being spies to catch each other showing honor. For our competitive kids and even my non-competitive ones, this is a great way to really emphasize their relationships and how they walk them out. So we took these 40 days and we intentionally showed honor one another. We opened doors, we jumped up to help, we spoke kind words in heated situations, took over others' jobs, and on and on. And I kept a memo app on my phone specifically for this challenge. And you could use a notebook too if you wanted to, but it helped me to keep track of points because usually my phone is somewhere within reach. And so this is, this is what happened. Points were earned when A, they memorized Romans 12, 9 through 13. They got five points for that. So each child had um, a space in my memo and they would get points added to their space. When dad or I observed someone showing honor, so if we saw one of the kids do something kind to someone else and then just walk away without looking for praise for themselves or anything like that, but they were just quietly trying to show honor, they got a point for that. Or they got a point if a child came and reported someone showing honor. So one sibling saw another sibling being and acting in an honorable way. So in this case, both the child reporting and the child caught honoring each received a point. So you were looking for someone else to be showing honor. And you didn't even know when somebody was reporting you showing showing honor. You couldn't, of course, report your own good deeds. Uh, Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. So you can't, you couldn't report yourself and say, hey, this is what I did. And we talked about doing good in secret, trusting that the Lord would see. Because sometimes we show honor and it's, it's just the right thing to do. It's not for points. And I reminded the children that they were reporting and if um, that when they're reporting and honor citing to wait until I'd recorded on my phone. So I didn't say, Oh, thank you. And then go off and forget. So they, they waited until I pulled it out because I can be forgetful like that. And that way, every instance was credited. That would be a thing. I, yeah. I totally, in fact, I have to tell you, don't lose your train of thought, but yeah. I tried this challenge and I felt like I failed miserably. And right. I think one of the reasons is because like not reporting on yourself. I think I forgot to tell mine that. And I, I'm pretty sure that they're standing there next to a jar. And I think we use tokens instead of on my phone. And yes. they're like standing next to the jar. They look around the room, they go do something and then say, Hey, make a deposit, mom. I just did it. And then they go like walk over to their brother and say, I really love you. You're really nice. And then they walk back and be like, can I put the coin in for you? Would you like me to just help you make this deposit? And so I am going to retake notes about this and I'm going to have to start it again, but I need to be a little more att attentive to your details because when I did it, 
I had trouble. And part of it was that they would tell me something and I would forget. So um, yeah, good point. Very good point. Because mom, mom is managing a household with children, multiple children, not just children, husbands, not just husbands, but household items and and grandchildren. I mean, there's so many facets to our lives. So just stand there for a second to make sure I record it because otherwise it will get forgotten. And yes, no reporting on yourself. This is not about, this is about outdoing one another and showing honor. And sometimes that's done in secret. It just is. And we trust that the right person will see it at the right time. So yeah. And then maybe what you're talking about with the jars too, is that that's what my husband and I did. So we were in on the deal. So uh, we had two jars, they were painted so that we couldn't see the inside of them. And when one of the kids saw dad or mom showing honor, they'd find a slip of paper, write down their own name on it. So they were the reporter of good deeds and they would put it in the appropriate jar. So if they saw dad, you know, picking up behind someone who, you know, was dropping their blanket on the floor and then just walking away and dad just quietly picked it up and put it on the couch, then they would write their name on the slip of paper and put it in dad's jar. So we knew, okay, filed A, B, and C each, you know, reported dad doing good deeds. And for that, they did not detail out what the deed was, just their own name, which that is genius because a lot of children can't write a sentence or an explanation, but they can write their own name. So I love that. Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So um, at the end of the 40 days, it was agreed that the child who had the most points the one who outdid the rest in showing honor would go out for a special time with the parent who had the most points. And so it was actually really amazing to me because the kids were all in on this. And I actually had one child who didn't participate. And I'm actually surprised. I mean, no, she, she never, I just gave away her gender. She never, uh, one of four. <laughs> never reported anyone. And honestly, nobody reported her. And, and um, she's one who just kind of normally is kind to people and that kind of thing. But she didn't, it was interesting. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't hear from everybody. Some kids just don't throw themselves into it, but all the rest of the kids did. And it was a real difference from the bickering and tattling because all of a sudden the attention was shifted to um, watching for good. And you know, sometimes I know, and this is kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I know when I get discontent in my life, it's usually because I've taken my eyes off of God's providences and God's goodness. And I'm looking at the negatives of life and instead of looking for how often God really, I mean, when we look for God's providential moves in our lives, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, but that's what we found on a kind of a human familial level was um, the beauty of seeing each other walk out honor. And I think we do, we look for what we're looking for is what we're going to find, right? So if we're looking for those opportunities to do good to others and to honor others, and, and, and I think it's also like such, it is a lesson for us to be intentional. And sometimes I think when we do get discontent, it is just, we, we just became 
non-intentional. And if we can just turn that back around, but sometimes that fight is so hard to turn back around because mm-hmm. we're, we're so busy and we're juggling too many things. Mm-hmm. I will tell you a little glimpse from our house and this happens all too often. I, I am totally confessing this to you and oh my goodness to whoever listens. There are days when our house, there's so much bickering and I'm like, my attitude is this. Oh, are we fighting again? Really? Really? Are we going to fight about that? Why are we fighting? Oh, wait, I know why we're fighting. It's Wednesday because right. that's what we do on Wednesday, right? <laughs> is that why we're fighting? Or do you think maybe we could put that over to Thursday? Oh, except Thursday we've got scheduled, you know, something else. <laughs> and so then I get in this like feisty irritated, like, okay, you know what, I'm just not going to win. And I'm just joining you and you're all in it. And, and that is my own immaturity and my own reaction, which is so bad. And um, so that's why I like refer to yours as like the reset button, because I think we need to do this from time to time. And what a wonderful thing to set your heart on what is good, what is excellent, what is noble and praiseworthy and think on those things. Let me add this. Um, It was interesting how you said that then you respond to the kids like, oh, so this is what we're doing today. And that makes me think of, so when I just had two little girls, I was really overwhelmed. I probably had postpartum depression and didn't know it, but I was really overwhelmed. And I went and talked with a counselor And I just, I went once, but it was really all I needed because she said literally the perfect words. She said, when things are escalating, she said, and and I wish the listeners could see my hands, but um, it's like the kids are getting on an elevator and they're going up, 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 up. And we all know what that looks like when our kids are just escalating. And she said, you're the parent, you don't get on that elevator with them. You stay down. When you get on the elevator, I mean, we see, I mean, we see parents in Walmart. We've been the parents in Walmart, you know, that just escalate with our kids. And she said, no, you stay on the ground floor, find a, be the peace, be the solid ground when they come back down again, show them the way back down again, but don't ride that elevator with them. So that's one thing that I know exactly what you're talking about when it's just, it's almost like what has come into my home that's allowed my kids to just be flipping out and we just need to be, she says, preaching to herself, the calm, the calm voice, the calm force that shows our kids the way, the way back when things are tough. I really like that illustration. I will have to keep that in mind because I can be a fighter. And Me too. Me too. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I need to learn to put that down a little bit more. So I really like that illustration. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very helpful. So how long did this whole commitment, it was 40 days, but yep. did it, when 40 days was over, was it like a shutdown? Okay, we're done. We don't have to do that anymore. Or did you see it continue? Like, I, I'm sure it didn't last for 10 years, but. No, it did not. It did not. To be honest, I feel like we, so using the word reset is a really good really good way of putting it because I feel like that's what it did. And it allowed us so 40 days to kind of restart new habits. And I wouldn't say that they were completely established habits, but what they were, it was then we had a reference point in the future to say, wait a second, there is zero honor going on right now. And you know what the word of God says. We have to, 
I don't want you just honor each other. I want you to outdo each other in showing honor. And so I feel like for that reason, it gave us that reference point. It gave us a place to come back to. Whereas before I did not have that. I just was pulling my hair out saying, why do you guys fight so much? Why can't you be like so-and-so, even though we're not supposed to say that, you know, it was, of course it was there because I saw so many, I saw other fruit and here's the deal that family that had me in tears because their children loved each other so well, that was just organically who they were. Um, we are a loud family. We are, um, <laughs> we, we do, we, we're up in each other's business all the time. And for the most part, it's for the good, but um, people can be pushed off the edge. They can be um, pushed too much. I have kids that are introverts that um, it doesn't take much to push them over the edge and realizing who our family was and is and being okay with that. So we all know we're not supposed to play the comparison game. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to other families or other mothers or our children to other people's children. And I was definitely doing that. So taking who we are as a family and saying, okay, so we're a loud family. We tend to get up in each other, but we still have to show honor is, is how we continued forward from there. And I think a reference point, that's smart too, because how often do we just get comfortable in living in the mud, right? And we don't even notice um, where we are. But with that reference point, you could step back and, and tell them, you guys remember when we did that challenge a while ago? Do you remember how that felt? Do you know, how, how did you feel? Did you, was it hard for you? Did it in the end, were you more joyful? Did you feel like you were more patient? You know, I think that it would be a real practice of the fruit of the spirit through that whole process. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So have you repeated the challenge again, another time, a few years down the road, or was it just a one-time run? We did, but I fell through that second time. So the first time we did it, we were super intentional about it. I mean, it was a big family meeting. It was, let's talk this through. Let's read the scriptures a couple times through. What does this look like? I mean, and so it was, it was like a launch. And the second time I did it was not so much of a launch. It was more like, okay, guys, we're doing this again. And it wasn't a good parenting moment. It was more of a, we, we have to do this again because we're, we're really sliding backwards on this. So then it did fall through because I wasn't intentional. And it's important. I'm, I mean, when it comes to follow through, wow, we really set the example on that. But what it did was it was, a, it was the reminder that we needed at the time. And so we didn't do a full reset, but we definitely reminded ourselves what the expectation in our family was. Well, I think just like when you read a book for the first time or see a movie for the first time or go to on a field trip somewhere, like the first time is so much more exciting and you are more intentional and you're taking it all in. There's so much yeah. purpose in it. Yes. And then when you repeat that book or adventure over and over, we don't pay as close of attention because we figured we've already been there and we've already done that. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'd be a good launching off 
off point for the ladies listening, like, if you're going to jump in and do this, like this is the best thing, but know that it is sweetest the first time you go through it and maybe not, maybe don't have to do it the first time, but go through and, and jump in and embrace that for a good run. Um, knowing that if you wanted to do it down the road, it may not quite have the same effectiveness. And I think that's one thing about parenting is we're always having to take a new run at something we're taking into account our children's ages what's going on in our household our extended household the community and we have to continually be recalibrating what things need work on and and that's also why that comparison thing with other families doesn't work because each family is so unique and each person in themselves is so unique that we need to respond then, you know, we're all in a different phase of our journey and where we were when we first did this, what, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, um, even the makeup of our family is different now. So when we tried it again, a couple of years ago, all those older kids were out of the house, all the earnest ones who really jumped into this um, challenge were grown and gone. And it was a whole new group of kids. And there's a different, different chemistry with this younger group of kids. So uh, my approach, my creativity with them has to be different. I don't, I can't just repeat everything and be rote like that, but I need to um, look at, like you said, look at who we are now and what is the chemistry of our home now and meet those needs. Isn't it interesting? You and I both have these large families and people will say, oh, I bet you've got it all down. I bet you everything is just on repeat and you don't even have to work on things anymore. No, not even true. Not even true. I will say the one thing that I have noticed is that I discipline the younger kids less than the older. I did the older kids because with the older kids, we were I was establishing rules and what our home was going to look like and what our home culture is going to look like. And honestly, that is one thing that the younger kids can to a certain degree get by osmosis by just living in this home is the standard of obedience and of discipline and that kind of thing. So I used to say, not much surprises me anymore. It would take a lot for one of my kids, but no, you know, it comes around and (laughs) there are still some surprises. (laughs) Yeah, we noticed that too. It seems like, you know, when you're first and second, and there's a lot of moms that are in in that stage with just their first and their second. And it's like, oh my goodness, do I have to explain everything to them? Right. Yes, you do. They don't know. And they do need everything explained to them. But as you add to your family, each child learns from the child above. And so when you set those patterns with the children above, the younger ones just naturally learn. They're watching their older siblings. They learn like, well, I would say they would learn that we don't walk on the counters in the kitchen. However, in my family, our dishes were up in the higher cabinet. And the way that we unloaded the dishwasher was one would stand on the floor and pass the dishes to the other child standing on the counter, and they would put them away. But you know what I mean? They do learn things from those older ones. And we just there's some things we never have to teach the younger ones. It just happens. It's so true. It's so funny, because the older kids will sometimes say, 
I don't think you ever discipline the younger kids. And I'm like, no, I do, but I don't have to as much as I did you. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I think that's natural. I think that's God's way. You just, if you keep having children, you're going to, that's one of the good fruits that can come from it. Raise your older children well, and then don't stop. And there should be good fruit that trickles down. And I think that was part of God's plan in our aging, right? We, we had more energy when we first had young children For sure. as we're having, you and I both had babies in our forties, I think. Yeah. And it is, it's like, oh, wow, this yeah. takes a different amount of energy. And so I'm so thankful that God designed it that way to work. Yes. Yes. Good fruit. Okay. So this was really great. And I remember another reset that you did. And it had to do with taking a break from media. And I know, wow, it is, this is many years down the road since I heard you do that. And our culture and our homes are even more steeped in media now than we were then. But I think taking a break from media is another way to hit that reset button. Tell me about that with your family. Yeah, so my, um, my husband had read a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And we would really, it was written quite a while ago, decades ago. And I think in the uh, 50s, maybe even, it was at the advent of television really getting into every home, television. And his prediction was that we would become addicts. We would become addicted to this media. Um, before it was mainly radio and nobody really had issues with compulsion towards radio, but he foresaw an addiction towards uh, media and he had lots of reasons for it. It was a fantastic book, a super easy read. And so my husband read that and he said, I think we should take a month and have a media fast. And you know, there were groans all around, of course, because we are all addicts. And um, so we, we set aside a month and we set aside the month of April because we had a garden. It was a good time to get the kids out there weeding and planting and all that stuff. It made sense to us. We're not farmers by any means, but it seemed like a good month to do it. We took the month of April And the older kids who had email could check their email once a day. And of course, dad needed to use it for work. But we took a month of no, no screens, basically, at the time. And music was just, you could have music while you were working, that kind of thing. But even that we kind of reduced to a certain extent so that we weren't just switching one for another. And we did that for a whole month. The first few days are just like breaking anything that we're kind of, we have strong ties to. The first few days were really hard, lots of whining. Um, We had to really stick to our guns as parents and um, say, we can do this, you guys, we can do this. Why wouldn't we be able to do this? Because obviously, I mean, my husband and I were raised in the seventies and we didn't have, we weren't, I mean, we just didn't, we weren't allowed to to, um, have access to those things. We knew it was possible. Before long, the kids were pulling back out the board games, the card games. They were having um, tournaments, M&M poker tournaments at the kitchen table. We let them leave it all out because we knew that at different points throughout the day, they were going to come back and have a few more rounds. And um, they were out riding their bikes. We got the garden put in. And it was a very, very productive month. 
through that, we realized how much screens in particular take away from our family time. And so we instituted that once a year. Once a year, we take a month and we have a media fast. And there's different, we adapt it for whoever's still living at home, whatever, if they have a job that they need to be able to check, you know, their schedules or, or communications more, that kind of thing. It's very flexible if we need it to be flexible. The point is, is that we show ourselves that we can say no to ourselves. It's a really important skill. It's a really important quality to be able to have to say no to ourselves and to build that over the course of 30 days. You're saying no to yourself. You're not going to sneak it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to beg for it. You're not going to, you're just going to say no to yourself for 30 days. That's all we're asking. And we made sure to always, we've always made sure to plan different things during that month. Um, It's one of our parenting beliefs is that you can't take something away without replacing it with something better um, because that wounds the heart of our hearts of our children. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to be takers. We want to enrich their lives more. And so uh, we would, we would sometimes start our media fast month by going out to a movie and we rarely do that. So, you know, okay, tomorrow starts the media month, but guess what? Tonight we're all going out to a movie. We're getting popcorn. We're, you know, whatever. So um, we have found that to be very, very productive. I think we've skipped it once or twice over the years, but we've done it consecutively um, because it's so good for us. That sounds really good. And you know what? I'm thinking when you, when I hear you say that, I think, wow, I need to start a media fast in my home for my children because they really need a media fast. (laughs) But I'm thinking that I should be excluded from that because (laughs) I really need my media, you know? Right. And and then I think to myself, wow, that only maybe reminds me that maybe we all need to have a media fast, right? right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah, I think that is... That's really good because, because the word of God tells us we need to be in control of our own minds, right? And how easy our mind, like you said, the self-discipline to tell yourself no, the self-discipline to, to be in control of your mind and to not let that fly and wander, you know? And and I think a spring month is good, I guess, depending on where you live, you know, you could pick it any month of the year, but if you pick December, then you're probably not going to lay outside in the warm grass and look at the clouds and, and, you know, look at all the things outside in nature. Right. Sit in a hammock with a book, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And your bike. Right. Those are really good tools to use. And Side note, your family got to be in a video production later on about that. Yeah. So the movie is called Captivated and I believe it's available on Amazon Prime um, or Amazon Prime. Yeah. Prime Video. And um, you can also order the DVDs through their website. And it's, it's a little bit dated now, as far as like the imagery and stuff, the, the, the research and the studies that the producers brought together was fascinating. It is, and that's timeless. It really is. It's very worth, you know, whatever it is, 90 minutes of your time, not because we're in it, but because of, I mean, they spoke with child psychologists and child neurologists and what, the impact of, of media on our children's brains are. And so when we had our last child, we didn't let her look at a screen until she was two. 
And that was really hard because the rest of us, of course, had screens, but we just wanted to give her just an optimal chance and not just plop her in front of things because it was definitely an easier an easier move to do that. We, I don't know, it was hard. It was really hard to go two years, but we did it based on the research. And I don't know, I don't know if it'll have long-term good effects, but we felt like at the time it was really what we were supposed to do. Well, I think that we as a society is doing a grand experiment with our children, right? Because we've never, we weren't raised like this. No generation before us had been raised with all the media and the screens and things. So, you know, to, to then choose to do an experiment to not be involved in that when the rest of your culture is, I think is a very valid a noble goal. Right. It's it's very otherworldly and it feels like it at the time too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. I love that you are giving us tools to implement now and that can really start changing the heart of our home and the trajectory, I guess, to be able to to just set that that pace and and bring our you know, isn't it interesting this year with coronavirus, how everyone's been home and yet still maybe not at peace. And if we could take a minute to turn off the screens, take a minute to build each other up with honor and love, how different our homes will be, how different our neighborhoods, our churches and our communities will be. So these have just been rich words. And I'm so thankful that you have been here to share this with my friends today. And I would just love it if you could close us out in a word of prayer. I would love to. Oh, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time together. Lord, I pray for us as mothers that you would continue to dwell with us. As we abide in you, you say that you'll abide in us. And we are so grateful for that. Lord, I pray for the mothers who are listening. I pray right now that you would help them to seek your face when it comes to peace in their homes. And if it's time to do a reset of some sort, Lord, I pray that they would either take a tool that we've talked about today, or Lord, I think maybe you're going to inspire mothers to other things. And so I pray for faithfulness to what you're calling us to. And I pray that you would give us the um, the strength to follow through and to make these things happen for your glory. And because we don't want to look like the world, we want to look like you. So keep showing us who you are, Lord, and how we can come to look like you and come to be like you, and that our children would love you all of their days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Karen, for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today, and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.